Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We're not real brothers, we're sports brothers. And this week, ESPN's Reese Davis talks about the draft with two idiots in a golf cart. We still don't understand NFTs at all. And pay attention, baseball. We're about to fix you. Let's go. This is Sports Brothers, coming to your ear holes and eye holes from the Parish Healthcare Podcast Studio. I love that everyone is always trying to fix things that really aren't even broken. Baseball's right. not broken, but we're we're gonna keep fixing it until it's until it's not broken enough. Well, the ratings have been good, I think, for for baseball yeah, early on with fine. the Padres and Dodgers rivalry. We'll get to that in just a bit, yeah. but yeah, let's start with we need to talk about well, this. Hey, everyone, I'm Joe Kepner. He's Christian Brewer. Yeah, if Brothers. you've been listening this many <laughs> podcast episodes, you know who we are. Yeah. All right, so the Pioneer League introduces an extra inning rule. The Pioneer League is a independent minor league that's uh, out, I believe, in the Rocky Mountains. So their extra inning rule that they just introduced, home run derby. You pick one player, you pick one player, you'll get five pitches, and whoever hits the most home runs, you win the game. I love it because for, for several reasons, one, it like it relieves the pitchers a little bit. You're not going to go out and throw a ton more pitches in extra innings over and over throughout a season, so that's good. You're going to save some arms that way. Also, like it's just exciting. It's right? just a fun way to finish it. And look, soccer has this, although purists hate it, that, that they have the, <laughs> the shootout at the gets, end yeah. to, to solve a tie. And purists in baseball are going to hate this too, but it's fun. It's a fun way to solve it. And even soccer fans would admit that like it's exciting. Right, yeah, you're edge of your seat for a yes. penalty kick shootout. And yeah, and I think purists already hate the put a runner on second base. Oh, yeah. But it's for the health of these pitchers, like you said, saving arms in the long run. And you can't tell me that, like, middle of summer, dog days of summer, yeah. you wouldn't be just edge of your seat for Mike Trout versus Fernando Tatis Jr. or Aaron Judge versus Pete Alonzo in the Big Apple with the Mets Subway Series going on. That would be incredible. And you'd also sort of be rooting for the team to come from behind in <laughs> games where you're not fully invested. Like, I'm not fully invested in this Subway Series yeah. interleague play, Yankees and Mets or Angels and Padres. But if I'm up late for a West Coast game and there's the possibility that this closer could blow it, and lead to a home run derby off. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, and I think if I'm also a fan and, like, look, it's getting late, it's the eighth inning, it's been a long game, my kids want to leave. And, right. You know, it, there's a lot of reasons where even if it is a one or two run game, I might be like, all right, let's mail it in, we'll take off. Because if this thing does go to extra innings, I don't want to stick around right. forever. But if, hey, there's a possibility of this, yeah, maybe I'm sticking around for it. Also, my only suggestion to fix this even more is that, do this, but the other team still gets to have its outfielders at the warning track, Ooh, yeah. and they can rob the home runs. That would be cool. Yeah, or all their players, like the little oh. kids at home run derby. So like the, the entire team is just running out there. out there. They're just like on each other's shoulders, like yeah. running around. Yeah, that could make for some good television. Robbing home runs. Yeah. yeah, no, that would be amazing. Or you get pitchers like breaking ankles trying <laughs> to rob true. home runs. All right, Sports Brothers of the Week. Let's do it.
You, you want to go, go first? first? Okay. No, you got three, right? I so. got three. All right. So my first one is loosely sports related because of NFTs. They're like all the rage in sports right now. But Zoe Roth, if you remember her, she's the disaster girl meme from 2005. I don't even remember this, but apparently she's now 21 years old, a student at UNC Chapel Hill. She held an online auction for an NFT of that meme from 2005 when she was this four-year-old girl. It sold for 180 Ether which apparently is a cryptocurrency, and that is the equivalent of $430,000. Somebody who goes by at 3F Music bought it, and I just think every time I talk about NFTs, I feel like we're the dudes from Office Space who have to look up money laundering in the dictionary. Yeah, I don't get it, and I don't think I'm ever going to get it. I'm convinced it's just a bunch of drug dudes using it to launder money or rich people using it to hide money because why else would you spend $430,000 on a meme? I, I don't get it. But I'm going to now take my kids around to and try and find burning <laughs> buildings and just have them like, hey, look back at me with this funny face with this burning house behind you or I, I just yeah I don't get it but it, maybe if I turn my kid into a meme there's their college paid for right there but and and athletes are like banking off oh, of this yeah. right now the shambo got it from yeah. the the shot across the water at six at bay hill um yeah I don't get it either though just I guess we're old like too old of millennials I, I and my my problem with it is like it's not necessarily even for people like me I feel like they want people like us to invest because it's almost a pyramid scheme. The more people like us that keep investing, the more these go up. But if you're either not the subject of an NFT or somebody who has a ton of money to like buy up an NFT like that, then what's the point? It's some sort of investment that isn't just yeah. the boring stock market. It's something more exciting, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll go back to baseball, and I'm just going to go with the entire American League West. Um, I'm not sure if this is just never happened or maybe it had never happened while social media existed but someone looked at the standings for the AL West and it came out late last week but it's also currently how they're lined up with Oakland, Seattle, Houston, the Angels and then Texas at the bottom and if you look at all their logos in a row it spells asshat <laughs> and I'm just a child and I thought it was great so thanks to the Oakland A's for winning 13 games in a row getting to the top there the Mariners for for kind of exceeding expectations early and then the Houston and the Angels and Texas just being bad there at the bottom to spell asshat I like how it took you about a minute to get there but the payoff was worth it I didn't know exactly where you were going yes. with it, but asshat, that's fantastic. Also, <laughs> one note, as a Mariners fan, I know that they are not exceeding expectations because this is what they do every other year, get out the gates hot, and then only win 75 games. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where we're headed. So right though, it'll be kind of a shats <laughs> if they're yes. at the bottom, if you move them to the bottom. <laughs> yes, and that, that describes their season almost every year. It's just a big shat. You think something big is coming, and then no. All right. Uh, my second sports brother of the week is just YouTube bros and specifically Logan Paul, because I don't know what's going on with boxing. I feel like people have been predicting the demise of boxing forever yeah. right now. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But now YouTube bros are just cashing in. Logan Paul has only had one fight. His brother's also into boxing right now. Jake Paul. Um, He's lost that fight, and now suddenly he gets to fight Floyd Mayweather. Right? One of the greatest money boxers event. of all time. 50-0, undefeated you know, champion. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that this guy would get this fight. I know it's just an exhibition, but like, why isn't the sport cultivating its own actual stars 
and trying to develop these careers where you have like great matches, great fights for a while between guys who have actually earned a shot at fighting the best fighters in the world. Instead, they're you know they're promote. I get it. I know why. It's money. It's right. all about. It's promotions. all about money. It's all about promotions. They're going to make millions of dollars from this. Um, and so I think because of that, this is just sort of what boxing is going to be for a while, and what fighting is going to be for a while. And I think we're starting to see it in UFC too. Is that like if you're famous and can be even remotely competent in a ring, yes. you're going to be the subject of big fights. And I don't know that. I, I don't, I'm not angry about it, but I'm not sure that like. I already wasn't that invested in boxing. I think I'm going to be even less so if this is where the sport's headed. But I think that there are people that are now more invested because they watch a lot of YouTube and it's kind of an interesting yeah. thing. And, um, you know, maybe it will get people around the TV to, to watch maybe some of the undercard farts, fights, undercard farts, uh, <laughs> fights that will actually be real boxers going head-to-head versus um, a YouTube star who, who hopes to be. And it a, a used real to be boxer. the opposite. The celebrity match was the undercard. Right, then, yeah. Now true. we're just going to get to the point where, like, you, you build up your whole career of being famous just to go fight someone. <laughs> like, eventually one of the Kardashians is going to fight Floyd Mayweather for $50 million. Yeah. yeah. And they'll, they, it will be a great investment for them, you know? <laughs> yeah, they go probably. get beat up a little bit, and yep. Rob Kardashian gets beat up so he can pay for his million-dollar home in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Los Angeles, I'll go back to baseball. A lot of baseball talk for me. We are going to get to Reese Davis in the NFL draft in just a moment. But Trevor Bauer, he's kind of the, the odd duck in Major League Baseball. But his response to what happened to him, he was pitching against the Padres, their first seven games of this series, L.A., San Diego, kind of these two high-paying teams now in the NL West. Um it's been awesome. Fernando Tatis, though, took Trevor Bauer deep twice in their game over this past weekend, and both times Tatis celebrated mm-hmm. like you would if you hit a bomb off of the reigning Cy Young uh, <laughs> of the National League. But obviously yeah. in prior years, a pitcher may go after him, throw at his head, throw at him in his back or whatever, right. and to, to show him that that's not the way baseball is played, the unwritten rules of baseball. But Trevor Bauer was asked after the game about Tatis's antics, and he said, I like it. I think that pitchers that have that done to them and react by throwing at people, I think it's pretty soft. If you give up a homer, a guy should celebrate. It's hard to hit in the big league, so I'm all for it, and I think that it's important that the game moves in that direction and that we stop throwing at people because they celebrated having some success on the field. I'm just, I cannot believe we are still having this conversation. That, yeah. the, that the purists and the old fogies of baseball are still fighting to keep dudes from celebrating after a home run. Because you know that was just some journalist asked that yes. because they feel like that's not the way baseball should yes. be played. But Fernando Tatis, he's the face of baseball right now. He is. Mike Trout is kind of, everyone will say, is like one of the greatest players of all time. But yeah. the way Tatis plays, the way that he dresses, the way that he acts, his antics... He should be and is right now the face of baseball, and I love that Trevor Bauer kind of is embracing that. And actually, they had some back and forth because I guess it was his second home run. You kind of could see that it looked like Tatis peaked at what the pitch was going to be. Yeah, And so uh, Bauer tweeted at him, and then Tatis tweeted back with, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, tranquilo, hijo, and he had a picture of 
him holding a baby, but they had photoshopped Bauer's face on it. Love it. Uh, so, like, they're just great for baseball. Both of them are, yeah. and I hope this continues. Yeah. I guess my problem with it always has been that, like, celebrating a home run is against the spirit of baseball, but trying to injure a guy by breaking the rules, <laughs> by throwing a baseball at him, isn't. I've never yeah. understood that. I've always thought, like, how did we get there other than just, like, caveman mentality, right? Like, that's the only yeah. thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. All right. Last one for you. Last sports brother of the week. It's Kyle Pitts, an actual you know NFL drafts tomorrow. We should probably talk about some NFL, future NFL guys. Uh, Florida Gators tight end announced today, just a little bit ago, he is now a Jordan brand athlete. Um, that's quite an honor. Not a lot of dudes get that. You can get endorsed by Nike, but getting endorsed by Jordan brand is kind of like that next tier. And I think it just shows how everybody is sort of on board with this guy being the guy, yeah. the freak that's going to – like football is going to evolve because of his <laughs> yeah. abilities, right? And look, maybe he turns out to be that. I don't know. Like, I think he's going to be that. He is incredible. Um, and if he gets on the right team, and especially like I heard somebody, I think it was uh, part of my take joking that like Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco is going to take him and make him like a two tight end system. And then everyone's going to like, it's not going to work. I'm like, no, no, that would work. Yeah, <laughs> that would really work. Look what, look what they tried to do in new England a few years ago with Rob Gronkowski and a murderer. And that almost worked terrifically. <laughs> it worked. It worked really, really well there for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and who knows like where it would have gone if like, other stuff didn't happen off the, the field. Murdering, murdering, the murdering didn't part happen. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I, I just think like Kyle Pitts is legit, and I'm excited to watch what he's going to do in the NFL. And I think this just is another example of like how invested people are in this guy, thinking that he is the guy. Yeah, I I, I wonder where he's going to go. Is it Atlanta at four? Do they trade out of that and someone jumps up to get him? But like the idea, and I know there's like thought like. Rumors about Julio Jones getting dealt or whatnot, but just if I'm Matt Ryan, like thinking of having Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts together, like yeah. what a just oh my <laughs> god, that, that would be incredible if you're a quarterback. But also like if he can get to six, and can they get him at Miami with yeah. Tua? That would be a lot of fun to watch because Tua needs some help around him. Um, so the, a lot of options there, and it's also interesting. The Gators are already a Jordan Brand team. You know, Jordan kind of dove yeah. into the You're college right. football realm by picking a couple of teams in each conference. I, I think that helped him out that the Gators were already Jordan brand and they kind of knew what Kyle Pitts was because they've seen him wearing their stuff yeah. and being a freak and the amount that he's on television already just in college, it's going to continue as just one of these freaks, one of the most freakish players to ever come into the draft. Um, it'll be a lot of fun to see where he is. He goes, and I will be, as a Gator, a fan of wherever he goes because yeah. um, I want to see him succeed. And Florida hasn't had that many guys that go on to the NFL and uh, become great skill position players. I, they've had more success at skill positions than than like quarterbacks. They haven't had quarterbacks. They haven't had a lot <laughs> of success. Grossman. They haven't had a lot of success at at skill position players. I feel like a lot of guys when they go, it, it's the defensive players yeah. that, that stand out. Don't um, we don't we call those skill positions too though? No, isn't like defensive back a skill position? No. I thought it was. No, I would skill positions: running back, wide receiver, tight end. All right, fair enough. All right, let's get to Reese Davis, college game day host, does football, basketball, but you can see him on ABC. He'll be anchoring and hosting all of the NFL draft coverage starting on Thursday night at 8 o'clock on Channel 9 if you're watching in Central Florida or ABC wherever you're watching. So here's Reese Davis. 
broadcast that you host is a little different than what you'd see on ESPN, a little more featurey stories that we've seen the last couple of years. What is your favorite story of this draft coming into this one? Man, there are several, but I think the one that jumps out to me is I'm a little bit of a sucker for guys who are overlooked and undervalued. And Javante Williams of North Carolina is a great story in that he went throughout his high school career and he wasn't getting the offers that he wanted. He, uh, he had an opportunity to go to places like Yale. I think Army uh, was after him, but he had he'd grown up wanting to play for the Tar Heels. And there was questions as to whether uh, he was good enough to do it at that level. And people underestimated him. I think the story is that every year all Javante wanted uh, for Christmas was a, a Tar Heels football uniform and some cowboy boots and maybe a cowboy hat. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what he wanted. He wanted to play for North Carolina and like right at the end of his senior year of high school. In fact, if memory serves, I think he played in Keenan stadium and played so well in the high school championship game that uh, he was offered like the next day. And now he's, he's going to be probably a second day draft choice uh, at worst has an opportunity to be a, a great, uh, have a great NFL career and stories like that I think are are inspirational and, and certainly there will be uh, many stories of, of guys who have been you know motivated by adversity and loss that, that people in all walks of life have to deal with but I, I like the ones where the guys have sort of uh, stuck to the belief in themselves and have been able to persevere and have this great moment I mean Mac Jones obviously in a, in a different way from Javante uh, Williams would, would be one of those guys as well. When you're doing all this research and have to know so much about every single one of these guys, and I know, you know, you do college football, so you already have a background and know a lot about these guys, but how much draft prep do you have? Do you, is it just like a thick notebook full of notes and fun facts for all of these guys that you go into the, into the broadcast with? There, I mean, I, I, let's do let's do show and tell. Just to, so I can't show you all the all the computer files I have, which are numerous. But we, this is this is one big book that they provide, and I go through notes on that. Here is another big book that is full of player wow. evaluations. I've gone through I've gone through that. I've gone through uh, some of areas of it a couple of times. I have a file that is uh, hundreds of pages long about human interest stories about about these guys you can't commit all of that to memory and as you guys mentioned having done college football a lot of the stories I was familiar with to begin with but I think you you want to refresh your memory decide which ones are the most important uh, which ones resonate with people I go back to a couple of years ago the Falcons drafted an offensive lineman from Washington uh, Caleb McGarry and he had one of the more remarkable stories of having just tragedy having befallen him at, at several uh, in several areas. His, his father had, had gotten sick with a debilitating disease and lost his job. Uh, Caleb himself had had a heart ailment that caused him to collapse in a high school basketball game. Uh, they had lost their family home. The place where they moved, which was another family member's place, had burned. It almost seemed surreal. And then he was um, you know, surreal is not the right word. It was tragic is what it was. And yet he had continued to work and persevere. And he had this moment being drafted in the, in the first round. And I think anyone who achieves what all of these guys are going to be drafted um, in a week or so have faced, they've all overcome some type of obstacle. And you want to be able to celebrate 
the achievement of doing that without uh, overdoing the, you know, the aspect of it. It's a celebratory night. It's not a tragic night, but when the stories dictate and, and it lets you understand the person a little bit better, then that's where we try to find the balance between, um, you know, telling, uh, telling stories like that, that overcome a terrible tragedy in one's life, as opposed to one where it was just an athletic adversity. If someone doubting you, you'd be able to, to use that to motivate yourself or to continue working or to be steadfast in your belief that you can achieve this. So those are, those are the types of things that we will try to tell. And then there will also be some, uh, you know, just some unusual and, and odd things. I noticed that um, Khalil Herbert, the running back from Virginia Tech who transferred from Kansas, um, was was born with a condition in which he has an extra toe on on one of his feet, and for a while he was in the same backfield with Puka Williams, who is also uh, a running back who uh, potentially could be drafted. And Puka had had a lawnmower accident as a child, in which um, they were told he couldn't play, he probably wouldn't play sports anymore because he had had a lawnmower accident that had cut the toes off his, off of his feet. So there's, you know, there's like this, it's an unusual story, but a juxtaposition of, of someone who's born with a condition uh, with an extra toe and he's, he's sharing a position for a while during their careers with someone who'd had an accident that had, uh, that had, you know, caused him injury like that. So there are a lot of stories like that, that I think will, will raise eyebrows and will, uh, you know, make people kind of appreciate what, what these guys have, have accomplished to be able to get to this point. And if you, if you lose some of those notes, it's okay. You can just make stuff up. Most people at home aren't going to know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to call any names. This happened several years ago. Uh, you see my buddy, Mark Mays Jersey over here. He questioned, he, he questioned someone who had changed a position on something, uh, and, and it was not Lou Holtz, just for the record. It was uh, it was someone else, uh, someone who didn't work with us often. And Mark said, "I thought you said last week that this person, you know, was going. This was going to happen." He goes, "I nobody remembers that." So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> but we'll try not to do that. We'll try to be uh, try to be as as uh, as tightly wound to the truth as we possibly can. <laughs> Another one of the great stories, Kyle Trask, but I want to ask about the other Kyle from the Florida Gators, Kyle Pitts. I'm sure he's pretty high up in that binder of your notes. We're going to hear his name called pretty early. I've seen some comparisons, other people calling him generational talent, so there's no comparison. Where where do you compare him to, or is there someone you compare him to? It, it's kind of tough uh, to find someone exactly to compare him to because he has wide receiver skills and a tight end's body. And I think that's uh, that these, you know, it's an overused phrase, but it's probably overused because it's true. He's a matchup nightmare uh, because he's, he's big enough to overpower corners and, and shifty enough and fast enough and elusive enough to, to really uh, make safeties and linebackers have no chance to stay with him. So, you know, things have become so matchup driven in the game that I think that, you know, I think Kyle has the opportunity to be just an absolute superstar in the league. You've seen what guys at tight end uh, have done in the league, whether it's at Kelsey or Kittle or Gronkowski, uh, you know, over the years. But Pitts is different from from those guys in that I think that, you know, he, he's faster. He's uh you know, he's got, he's got some of the physical characteristics in terms of size of those guys, but he's, he's faster and he's shiftier and, 
Um, you know, I just, I think he is, he's just such a weapon for whoever gets him that I think it's, it's fair to put him in that category of generational talent, which I don't necessarily look at as meaning that there's never been anyone like him. I, I'm, you know, not saying that, but I do think that, that from a talent size skill perspective, that he is, he is really a rare uh, a, a rare talent in that regard in being able to combine those factors and, and create problems for defenses, no matter where the offensive coordinator chooses to line him up. And Christian mentioned Kyle Trask as well. He's another one that I think is kind of an enigma in this draft because there have been some recent drafts where he might've been a first round pick, but because this one's so quarterback heavy, he's just kind of an afterthought right now. I have a theory that the Buccaneers should draft him in like the late second or third round and just let him sit behind Tom Brady for a couple of years. Uh, where do you think he fits in this draft and is there a good home for him? Uh, I think probably a place like that. I mean, everyone, that's another story uh, that I probably should have mentioned earlier. His is a great one too, of continuing to believe in himself, not starting in high school. And I know he played a lot, you know, at Manville, but he, you know, he didn't really get a chance to be a starting quarterback until he got to Florida. And, you know, his is a great story of perseverance. He's a big, strong guy. I think he's, you know, he doesn't have, you know, elite arm talent, but he's got enough. And that's, you know, that wouldn't be a bad, a bad situation for him to sit there and, and, you know, sit behind Tom Brady while Tom plays the next five, six, 12 years and finishes out his career, you know, and, uh, and Kyle, Kyle could learn from him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the Bucs, uh, given the way Brady performed and, and the way he keeps himself in shape, I'm not sure that they have to find the heir apparent at quarterback yet, but certainly if they had an opportunity, you know, in the mid rounds uh, to pick up Trask, I think that could be a wise move. Sure. Worst case scenario, he gets to be a wingman at the next Super Bowl parade, you know, and pull him away. <laughs> Ryan Griffin did. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a bad not a bad gig at all. Maybe they'll let him throw the trophy. Yeah, exactly, um, Reese. We already know where the Jaguars are going at number one. But what do you what are you excited to see with what Urban Meyer is going to do? Of course, they I think they have ten total picks. It's going to be interesting to see how he wants to build an NFL roster after we know what he's been able to do in college. Knowing Urban as I do, he's so thorough and he wants to know everything. And I'm sure he's learned a lot about constructing a franchise. And he's not going to do it alone, obviously. Um, but I think it's really important. The most, the, the most significant piece of any rebuild is the quarterback because um, I think that when you think we're talking too much about the quarterback, we should talk some more about the quarterback because we've all seen what happens when you try to win without a quarterback. It does not go well. It's, it can't be the only piece, but it has to be the centerpiece. And Jacksonville has that taken care of with Trevor Lawrence as soon as they make the pick official. The rest of the draft, they have to support him, not only with skilled players, but to make sure that the offensive line's in order. And I know that they, I think they signed Cam Robinson to a franchise tag, which they hope will help in that regard. They, you, have to, you have to get good defensive players. And I think Urban will draft players that will help him um, set the, the type of tone and culture and air of professionalism that he wants on the team. And, you know, I think that it's really important to continue to build. I have a lot of confidence in his ability to do that. He's built and won everywhere he's ever been. And I don't think that this is going to be any different. The thing that almost always is the thing that keeps um, elite coaches from winning 
is not in the NFL is not having the right guy at quarterback. And I think that that is problem number one, and it is a problem that will be solved with the first pick in the draft by the Jaguars. Miami Dolphins, two of the first 18 picks, six and 18. They obviously have an opportunity to, to really help out their team this year. Is there a consensus on what they should do or what they will do with that number six pick? I think the first thing they need to do, and I think most people believe this, is they need to get Tua a playmaker. Um, I, I thoroughly believe in Tua as an NFL quarterback, assuming that he returns to full health. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to play one on this Zoom interview. But having watched him as much as I did over the course of his college career, he didn't look totally right to me. Uh, and, you know, in the initial injury, there was talk that he wouldn't play for a year. So I think that's probably to be expected. I'm really anxious to see what he looks like if he looks more like himself in terms of, in terms of delivery and, and quickness and decisiveness and, and footwork in the pocket and all of those types of things that, that really where he excelled uh, when he was in college. But I think they, they have to get a receiver for him. Uh, you know, if, certainly if a, if a, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase is sitting there. I mean, I, I can't imagine he will be sitting there, but if Kyle Pitts were to be there, then obviously that would be, uh, that would be a really smart move because of the way you can move him around the tight end and, and flex him out as well. So I think that's the first thing. And then the next thing is, you know, they, they have some tackles and their defense was really good last year. So I think then they have some options, you know, once they get to that next pick in the first round. But the whole thing to me is, I believe that they too have their have their quarterback who they can win with, who can build a contender with. Now the the idea, much as we talked about with Jacksonville, is to support him, and whether that is in protection and making sure that he has uh, guys who can make plays for him, uh, which all quarterbacks need, then I think that's that's a really important thing. I, if I were them, and I think they will, I think they'll go offensive weapon at six, and the question is whether they do it again at 18 or if they go in a different direction after that. Interesting to see. Getting back to the Bucs, they, they kind of just have this luxury of going best available. It's like something in your fantasy draft. You always hope that you could do something like that. Where do you think they go at 32? Do they go maybe a sexy pick like we saw Kansas City go last year and kind of get a running back and, and something that will get the people excited? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was kind of looking at that uh, a day or two ago about where they might go. It's, it's so dependent on who might be there. Uh, you know, if, uh, yeah, I don't know, if someone, if a guy like a, a Zayvon Collins uh, from Tulsa somehow slipped down, then maybe you've got a, a playmaker, uh, a guy who is a really, really explosive and difference-making kind of guy. Does he slip that far? Uh, do, you, do you do that? Do you, uh, do you get another offensive lineman? Because you're probably going to have an opportunity uh, for one of the tackles, maybe Jenkins or Mayfield at that spot, um, or do you go? Or do you go? Do you go running back if you need? I mean, you know, I think I I feel like they're pretty set at running back. You know, to draw the comparison to the Chiefs, I feel like they're in good shape there. I think they would go uh, somewhere else. I would think they would go with a lineman or or defensive players. What I would think they would do at the end of the end of the first round, but. Hey, those dudes apparently haven't figured out, you know, because they, you know, they won it all last year. They're getting everybody to come back. They're getting OJ Howard healthy, you know, so they're, you know, they're already, they're already pretty, uh, pretty stocked. 
amazing how how much having Tom Brady makes your job really, really <laughs> easy in terms of building a franchise. Um, I don't have any more draft questions. Do you? Okay. My only other question, we hear so much about Super Leagues with soccer and everything right now. If you were building a Super League with college football, would UCF be in it? Uh, a Super League? Uh, Gus is going to get mad at me, uh, but I, not, a, not a Super League like that. Probably not. I, don't, I, know where, I know where you guys are from and who I'm talking to, and I know that the UCF fans who I love uh, haven't always loved me. But if I were, if I were building, building the Super League, uh, they probably wouldn't be on the first round of invite list, depending on how big the league was going to be. Can I ask you just though your thoughts on Gus? Like you said, you know, Gus, mm -hmm. your thoughts on him landing at UCF with Dylan Gabriel and kind of the brand that is UCF. I think it's a tremendous fit for UCF and for Gus. And, you know, I don't, uh, coaches rarely take my advice, though they should. But in most cases, when you have a situation and uh, the way it ended at Auburn for Gus, uh, I think it's a pretty wise move to take a year off to recharge. And I think that's what Gus was planning to do. But this opportunity and UCF and that program and the way it's won and the support it gets and the facilities and the number of alums that they're churning out now, um, the, the location, it's too good to pass up. And it also has given Gus an opportunity, I think, to feel like that, that he is He's all, he was always in charge of the football program at Auburn. I don't mean to, you know, I don't mean to imply otherwise, but I think it has given him a chance to feel like that he can really put his mark on something and, and be comfortable with it. And I've really been entertained watching him embrace some of the social media things and try to put himself out there a little bit more than maybe uh, he was always uh, comfortable to do or willing to do at Auburn. And I think it's great because Gus is a, is a really good coach. He is a terrific guy, and I think he is. I think he's going to win big and continue, uh, continue to have UCF in the mix and continue to have their fans mad at us if they if we don't have them ranked highly enough. Awesome. Right. Well, well you're, you're right. The location is good. The weather's 75 here, so uh, yeah, yeah. 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 From our so. tea time as well, so we gotta get going. But next time, you should come down here, and we'll do this all from golf courts. Go, I, golf. I'm I'm in. I'm in. Just awaiting right. the invitation. So we got a little more time with Reese Davis than we expected because yeah. we got on the schedule at just the right time. And we were sitting in a golf cart, as I referenced at the top of the show, because we were about to play at Disney. And you heard us talk with Reese about that a little bit. Uh, that's the first time I've ever interviewed someone from a golf cart next right to the, by driving the first range. Tee. First tee. Yeah. So I, I, uh, it, cool. it's just the pandemic and the technology that came out of it is just so great that you yeah. can sit and have a video interview because um, we, we've been using this in our, our sports cast leading up to the draft and just have almost that face-to-face -face that you usually in years past would have had to have like some sort of satellite interview to be able to talk with Reese Davis and uh, no longer, no longer because of Zoom teams. And uh, I think it's just become the norm throughout this pandemic just uh and yeah to be on a golf course literally we <laughs> muted the mic because some guys were teeing off like on one we were, yeah. we were trying to be a little more quiet but i'm glad we had it muted because you reese probably could have heard this guy tee off and then god <laughs> I yeah. just love that that was in the background of an interview with the college game day host. Yeah, and I, Reese got a kick out of it too. I think uh, that probably the first time he's been interviewed by two idiots in a golf cart. <laughs> um, all right, I, I did look it up. While we were playing that interview, 
skill positions in football, according to AmericanFootballDatabase.Fandom.com. Oh, I don't trust that at all. Do include cornerback safety, basically everything that is not a lineman and less commonly linebackers and defensive ends. Players who line up along the line of scrimmage are not skill positions. Skill positions are generally the smaller players that are out there. I disagree. Well, it doesn't matter what you agree or disagree with. AmericanFootballDatabase.Fandom.com <laughs> is the I, I think you universally sort of, you accepted found the website. Yeah. as the the go to source for what is a skill position. All right, have we reached the end? We don't have Degenerate Brothers this week because I don't know. We're not gambling on stuff right now. No, I mean I, I you can bet. I saw on like what Trevor Lawrence's I guess wife now, right? Yeah, like they got married. They're engaged. I don't know if they got married. Okay, fiance, wife, like what color her dress is going to be? Will it be orange for Clemson? Will it be teal? <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, there's plenty of stuff you can always bet on, but we're not betting on the NFL that draft is, this that week. Is next level degenerate. So, yeah, to betting on women's clothing. I'll go teal though. I think she'll wear a teal dress. Just <laughs> if we want to look back at this. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, so uh, dad jokes. Yeah. What do you call an ugly dinosaur? I don't know. An eyesore. <laughs> I like how you tried to say like sar. Yeah. <laughs> An ice R. <laughs> Why won't Tom Brady let you pet his chicken? Why? It's a personal foul. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. And uh, thanks again for Reese Davis joining us in the golf yeah. cart. And uh, maybe we should just do all of them from the golf course, and that's just what we do. I'm okay with that. Yeah, if we can get the tee times worked <laughs> out with the interviews, uh, that, that can become a thing. Yeah. All right, man. Subscribe, rate, review, and you can watch the NFL Draft tomorrow starting at 8 o'clock on Channel 9 slash ABC. See ya. Later. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.